Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I first want to take an opportunity to show appreciation for half the population who appreciated my previous updates about rug pulls, specifically Satama, but in general, rug pulls, and there was a on one half of the spectrum, a good outpouring of the fact of, of people who actually listened to what I said, read what I wrote in certain places, and they noticed properly that if you paid attention, at no point did I state something as a certainty except for factual, independently verifiable information as to what was going on. And then I stated that these are usually indicative of a rug pull or a pump and dump, and I want you to be careful you're going to have to do your own due diligence. Just know that your due diligence might be censored if you try to challenge the developers. None of this is in dispute. There's numerous points of evidence showing this is happening, and I'm certain half of the population appreciated and understood what I was saying. And, of course, another half that I called out that only cares about the numbers in their wallet just ranted and cussed and whatever. And that's fine. I expected a 50-50 split. No problem. Moving forward now, I want to get back to the educational spectrum of cryptocurrency because I think there's still a lack of understanding. I covered this in a, in a previous update about cryptocurrency in general, but I think there's a lack of understanding when you're trying to get into crypto of the difference between having your stake be stored in a wallet versus an exchange. In the previous update, I talked about online wallets versus cold storage or hardware wallets and how they somewhat differ from exchanges. I want to kind of drill into that a little bit more because as you understand this better, it may help you when you need to take action on your crypto, whether that's to buy it or sell it, whether that's to give it to somebody else, whether that's to preserve it for a future generation, whatever your plan is for it. I think it's critical that you understand the difference between wallets and exchanges and why one might be riskier than the other, given what you're doing with it. So this starts out with, hopefully, you taking the time to think about why are you trading crypto? I had an argument, and it truly was an argument, with people who don't start with that question. But it's vital that you do. You need to start with, why am I doing this? Why am I getting the crypto? If your goal is just to make money, that's fine. That means that one of these two is probably not going to be advantageous for you. If your goal is to create some sort of a long-term generational wealth strategy for people who come after you, that's also fine. One of these is likely not going to support that goal. That's why it's important that you at least think about it and come up with an answer that you can look yourself straight in the face in the mirror and say, yes, this is the answer I'm trying to get to. This is why I'm doing this. I'm not doing it for any other reason, for the most part. You might say, okay, 90% of it is I'm doing this, 10% of it's I'm doing this. That is perfectly fine. As long as you think about it, as long as you come to some resolution that you are satisfied with as to why you're doing it, because it's going to drive the answer to this next question, which is, how do I store this in support of my goal? If I don't have the goal, I'm going to assume that I need to go this way because people are telling me that and because marketing is hitting me with this. And I'm going to make a mistake when I try to execute my plan. A wallet, in most situations, I would argue with very slight exception, 
the intent is more for a long-term storing of value, as in I want to have it and I want to hold it, or HODL. I don't plan to quickly sell it. I'm not trying to turn it around within a day or 10. I'm usually going to kind of hold these for the long period of time. And your wallet, for the most part, is decentralized, again, with slight exceptions, is decentralized with the intent being you truly own what's there. You have private keys that you should not distribute. And without those private keys, nobody can touch those funds. You have public keys that are used to add money in, but you can only send money out through the wallet interface or by sending it to an exchange. I would argue every wallet has some form of the ability to send funds out if you need it to. Let's say if you wanted to buy a bunch of tokens and give some to your kid, which some people are doing. You can do that through a wallet. What you have to understand is that it's really not practical to do that through a wallet if you're doing that quickly, I'm talking about quick turnaround transactions. If your goal is to just do it as a long-term strategy, the wallet is perfect because it would be akin to you taking money, tossing it in a safe deposit box that gets locked into a bank that you know is not going to go away at any point in the near future so that 50 years from now, your descendants can get access to these funds which is the modern version of burying a jar underneath the, you know, at the base of a tree. If you believe firmly that this is a long-term buy-in, you're not going to change it quickly, you're not going to send it quickly, and you want to just let it appreciate, the wallet is going to be the best way to do it. Now, the wallet might not be the best way to buy in. You could buy in, and I'll get to this in a second, but the exchange, if supported, might be the better option to buy in and then send it to the wallet as opposed to buying through the wallet. Let me explain why that is the case. When you buy through a wallet, you have to use a form of currency that is the token network that the token is based on. So, for example, Cardano, I've called out, is its own network. So if you want to buy Cardano, through a wallet, you have to already have some currency to exchange from to get to it. That could be Ethereum. It could be whatever you want. That source currency is going to charge you an excess. So you, it, let's say you want to buy $50 worth of Cardano and you're, you're going to use Ethereum for that. They're going to charge you a gas fee because it's Ethereum that you're trading to get this Cardano. If you had Cardano and you wanted to buy Solana, they're going to charge you Cardano as a fee over top of whatever amount that you're trying to buy Solana. That means you always need to have more than what you intend to trade. I talked about this in a previous one about gas fees. There's always this fee in order to transact. The fee is based on the source tokens network for whichever the currency is. You cannot, from a wallet use straight U.S. dollars. It always has to transfer in as something else. You have to buy it as something else. You cannot just buy straight over coins that way. That's where the exchange comes in. The exchange allows you to exchange straight fiat. So I say dollars, I'm referring to fiat. So if you're in whichever country, your fiat is whatever your current common currency is, your Currency can then be used to buy whatever tokens are supported to the exchange.
most people, when they're just getting into it, will look at an exchange that already supports the token that they want. So if you were to try, if you said, I want to just buy Doge and buy into Doge because you just see it all over the place, Doge is supported pretty much everywhere at this point. You can buy it. It's ubiquitous. You can buy it. Almost any exchange you can think of will let you buy Doge with slight exceptions. So you can set up an account, depending on your country, do the KYC, which is know your customer, which is proof of identity and proof of address. You can give a debit card. You can do a wire. You can do a check for most, you know, ACH for most every exchange. The same is true. You can then say debit my account and I want to buy X amount of Doge and then it will show up in your account instantly. This is a basic fiat exchange. You are exchanging fiat for the tokens that you want. This is the easiest way to get in, but that's assuming that the token that you want or the coin that you want is supported by the exchange and that you can find an exchange that's willing to take your business because some exchanges are not supported in every country. So the step one if you're trying to get in and you're trying to just get money to get the crypto, I would recommend you find an exchange that will support that transaction first. I said at the beginning, you need to understand what your long-term plan is because depending on that answer, it will change what the recommendation is going to be for what you do next. If your goal is just to hold and then at some point be able to sell it, and generate a profit because that's all you care about, you can pretty much go to any exchange you can think of where it's supported in your country. Coinbase will work. Binance, depending on which country you're in, it's either Binance.us or Binance.com. If you're in the U.S., Binance.us, I'm pretty sure supports Doge as an example, but it's limited in other tokens that it supports. Whereas if you're able to go to Binance.com because you're in another uh, non-communist country, you're able to do pretty much every coin you can think of and make some money that way. Um, there's Webull, there's LBank, there's Gate.io, there's Coinbase Pro, which is actually a different platform than regular Coinbase. So depending on which one is supported, there's not really significant difference to know which ones are supported for the token that you want or the coin that you want. You can start with the name of the coin. So in this case, let's say it's Doge. And you're looking for a site called Etherscan, etherscan.io. You can Google search it. It'll come up, just say Etherscan Doge, D-O-G-E, and it'll come up with a link and you hit the link. Or CoinGecko.com is another good one, where when you scroll down, it'll tell you, and CoinGecko's friendlier about this, but it'll tell you which exchanges you can purchase this through. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm talking exchanges. That you can purchase it through, including what the current going price is for each of these exchanges. So you can go that way, find an exchange that works for you, and then buy in, again, depending on your country, if they're a communist place, they may require KYC. If they're not a communist, they may not. Put your fiat in there, buy the coin, you're off to the races. Now, take a step back. As I said, you'll need to understand what your long-term goal is to know what to happen next. If you're just doing it to profit, with a short-term trade, say of a couple of months, and you just want to kind of buy in and make a little bit of money, you could probably leave it in the exchange and not worry about it. The risk you face is that said exchange may at some point lock its doors because of the constantly changing regulations that are happening around us. We saw this with Binance. It actually supported U.S. citizens at one point, and then the government started turning communist, and all of a sudden, Binance said, we're not supporting any of that. 
will split off to this Binance.us that's that's within compliance because it doesn't have the risk, but now it's only like 50 coins as opposed to thousands. And so Binance.us is essentially useless, no pun intended, because of the regulations that they choose not to support versus something like Coinbase where you still don't have a wide variety of coins, but they have, I would say, the top 80% you would ever want to trade versus something like LBank, which doesn't really care. Gate.io doesn't really care. Webull will let you trade a lot of coins, but Webull doesn't let you transfer out, which is bizarre, but it is what it is. So if your goal was to hold long-term, that means you've now kicked Webull out of the contention because if you leave your crypto inside an exchange, as I said, they might close their doors. They might lock it down because of whatever regulation, and now you're screwed, and now you're having to scramble. That's where wallets come in. A wallet, again, can be online or offline, but generally speaking, all the wallet's doing is providing an interface to your specific stake, your specific crypto, to the blockchains. That's all it's doing. So there's not, there may be some authentication code, for example, but generally speaking, that's all it is, is a window to your blockchain. That means that it is not subject to the same restrictions that you would find with an exchange because there is no exchange to a wallet. It is independent, thus the term decentralized. It is your own, it's often, it, it's like you have your own bank sitting off somewhere in your home and you can put your money in or take money out all you care to. The difference is that wallets cannot transact fiat, generally speaking. Some of them do have integrations with vendors that allow them to accept credit cards, but it's still going to a third party. That third party is doing the transaction and then it's sending you the tokens in exchange and then you're charged a fee. But the wallet itself isn't doing anything. The wallet itself is simply a window. So the wallet is perfect for holding. It's perfect for, I don't need to transact. I don't need to send it. I don't need to really do anything with it except hold it and store it and forget about it and go on about my day. The wallet is perfect for this. Where it falls short, again, is transactions because if you're going to do a trade, so let's say I'm going to convert Doge into Cardano. There are different networks. The Doge has its own network. You're going to be charged a fee of an extra bit of Doge to do this transaction. If it's Ethereum, it's even worse because you charge gas fees. Then you talk about multi-network hops, which bump the fee, it basically triples the fee, you're going to get hit and nailed with these fees. And I talked about this in early crypto that the gas fees are what gets you when you're dealing with wallets. Because unlike exchanges, to convert, you're not converting from a store, you're converting fiat to crypto to fiat and then back to crypto and they charge network fees because something has to do the work which are these miners out there, and they're compensated by way of the fees that you pay in order to do the transaction. Well, you can imagine if you didn't have a strategy in place and you didn't know really what you were doing, you could start out by saying, you know what, I'm going to buy into Ethereum. You're going to get hit with a gas fee. If you did it through the wallet, this is all wallet. You're going to get hit with a gas fee. Then you say, okay, well, I spent $100 to buy $50 of Ethereum. But I only need $50 because I want to now buy 
$50 a ship. If you're doing it through the wallet, you're going to get nailed with another Ethereum fee. So for this $50 transaction, you could end up spending $200, possibly $300 in gas fees. That doesn't go to you. It's gone. So you're spending roughly three times what you needed to spend just to be able to buy into this SHIB versus if you went to an exchange where you could skip the Ethereum because you don't need to, you can buy the SHIB straight. And then you're just charged a very nominal fee. It's usually like two bucks or something. And it doesn't matter how much SHIB you buy. You're getting it from the exchange. There's no work necessary because the coins are already available. Nobody needs to be compensated except Coinbase's fee because they're a business. It's cheaper at that point if you knew that in advance that that's where you were going. So I'm talking about due diligence of thinking about where I want to end up. In this case, I want to end up with SHIB. Don't start with, I'm going to spin up a wallet and then I'm going to go through what it tells me in order to get SHIB. Start with the token or the coin and do some study as to what's the most efficient way to get that coin. The fact is, if you're going for just raw profit, I would argue nine times out of 10, you're going to get nailed with Ethereum fees because most of the profit, truly profit generating ones, with the exception of Ethereum itself and Bitcoin, are going to be wallet only. They're not going to be supported through the exchanges. So many of these ones that are under a dollar, where in two, three, two, three years you can be a millionaire, are not on the exchanges until such a time as it's already too late. They're down to like four zeros, three zeros, two zeros under in, in decimal. By that point, it's too late for you to be a millionaire unless you already invested tens of thousands of dollars into the thing or even sometimes hundreds of thousands. So then those ones where, oh, okay, I could just invest $10, $20 and then sit on it for two years and be a millionaire, those are not going to be in the exchange. I promise you this. Those are going to be, unless you're in a country, like I said, it's not communist that like supports Binance.com where they'll let you get away with it. But then you inject, you ingest the risk of potentially those shutting their doors or locking you out or some other thing because it's an exchange. The wallet will let you trade whatever you want. It's just you're going to pay whatever network fees are necessary to make that transaction happen. So you could end up spending more if it's definitely if it's an Ethereum based token. So you have to be careful in which way you go because you need to understand where you want to end up first. Don't focus on the steps starting from wallet versus exchange start from the coin or token Do investigation as to the simplest, fastest, least expensive way to buy into that coin or token. You might find that it's on an exchange and you can save a lot of money. If you're holding, then go to a wallet after you've built up your stake, whether you bought an exchange or not, then you can send it to your wallet to just kind of sit on it and not touch it. Just like the safe deposit box analogy, in a safe deposit box, you're not going back and forth to the bank to make deposits and withdrawals on it. Same with CDs. You're not using a CD as you can't use a CD as a withdrawal mechanism. Savings accounts have a limit of five because they start nailing you fees. It's the same concept. Summary, and I'll wrap it up. If you're going to transact and you know you're going to transact and you want to get it quick and easy and you want to use fiat, any of the above, Start with the exchange after you verify which exchange is going to work best based on the coin or token you want. If you're going to hold it, you don't necessarily need to start with the wallet. If you can still buy it from an exchange, you can buy it there and then transfer it to a wallet. And then once it's in a wallet, try to minimize how much you transact or move because you're just going to get nailed with fees.